Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Let's see here. We got 26 May, Sunday, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And I really haven't done one in a while because I was gone for a couple days. And then after that, we had um, the sermon that I did on, um, what was it? Oh, the Eight Feasts, Fulfilled Feasts of the Lord. And it's surprising how many people emailed and asked for those notes. A lot of people wanted them. I sent that probably more notes on that sermon than any I've ever done. And wonderful stuff there. And then um, last week we had John Holler. We're very grateful to have him here. He... Uh, uh, his wife told me it was her birthday this past week, so I sent her a birthday note. And, and his wife told me that uh, he here he is, he's going to these lawyers' conferences, and there's no believers there. And he said this was a joy to fellowship with believers. And so, great stuff. Thank you, John Holler, for being here. And then we have a um, couple things, actually 4,322 things to announce before we get into the update. We've got um, somebody named Nathan Troutman. He's visiting from Oklahoma, and we welcome you. Thank, I, I'm sorry, Nebraska, and I knew that. I just, I don't know why I said Oklahoma. So I know there's these um, football teams that fight each other, and maybe I stepped on a toe, I don't know. But from Nebraska, and thank you so much for making the effort. And then we have in the back, we've got George Manchester, who is somebody that I've emailed with now for years. And he came to Sarasota yesterday. I picked him up at the uh, uh, Amtrak station, and he's staying with me. Hopefully, we can find him a place. If, he can, if anybody knows a room that he can rent, then he may stay in Sarasota with us. And so uh, it's a pleasure having you here. He'd like to stay here. Uh, he would like to stay here. So we need to try to find a place for him. And that's really wonderful. But for right now, he's staying at the house with Hidako and I. And then um, we also have my friends Andrew and Sanda, who are, they were here last year. And uh, they've come from the East Coast to stay with us. And they, um, this is one of the things that really, really is my heart, is when somebody comes here and spends their Saturday going to mission work with us instead of going to the beach, which we've got some really great beaches. But uh they went to mission work with us, and then we had some time together last night. I've been sick, and so I wasn't really all together with it, but uh, it was a good time, and it's good to have you guys here again. So thank you for making the effort. And then I have on, I wore the same bandanas last week because I didn't get a chance to thank the people that made it. She handmade this, and it's spongy, so it, it grips to my head. This is the coolest, wow. Anyway, it's the Marcus family, and uh, it's got little otters all over it, and it's pretty pretty wonderful. I want to thank them for that. And then, this is kind of funny. Um, it's not funny to the people that it happened to. Uh, there were a couple people that emailed me, and they uh, a lot of people that emailed me, we want to come and see John Holler. We want to be at the church when he's here. And I, okay. And I'm dyslexic. We've got another person, Chris, who is two of us in the church where we see everything backwards. And so I was sending people notes, yeah, come out this time on this day. And two of them, I cut and pasted one from the other just to save time because I had these things lined up. And I looked at the date and my mind read September instead of May. And so I said, yeah, he'll be here in, in September. And they were really upset at me. So I got to apologize to them and uh, just let them know that uh, that was not intentional. But that's Charlie's dyslexia taking over. And uh, so there you go. Things like that do happen. And then we had no respondents on our uh, Thursday night Bible class. So I will say this again. I had somebody send me these. Uh, these are Dell printer. If you have a Dell printer and you need Dell 21, I got a whole bunch of them. And printing ink is not cheap, so if you want them, let me know and I will mail them to you, okay? These are for a Dell printer, number 21. There you go. Got that. And I want to thank whoever it was that uh, sent me something. They All they did was they put an envelope inside of an envelope, and they put the um, uh, post office of uh, someplace called, I think it's Buhl, B-U-H-L, Idaho. And I want to thank them for having sent that. That just touched my heart. You know, some people want to just say something anonymous and, and edify you and build you up, and this did it. So I want to thank them immensely. And then I uh, have, let's see here, I got something. I don't know if this was from a that attends online or somebody that we know, but I got something from Japan and there's no return address and it was something sent from Japan for us. So if somebody sent 
us that. Please let us know because I don't want to not thank somebody. It came to my house, and that's why I don't think that it was somebody that attends online because, you know, you'd think it would come to the church. But anyway, just so you know, whoever sent that, if you did and you hear this, please let us know because we really appreciate that, Hidako and I. So there you go. Um, Tasty. That's all I'll say about that. Tasty. All right. So we will uh, go ahead and get into the prophecy update now that those things are done. And our first category, as always, is Israel. And one of the things that I have concerning Israel, this goes back three weeks, but because John Holler was here, I could not talk about this last week. But it's rather odd how this happened. Um, Our our friend Kathy, who was here last week from the East Coast, uh, she had the South Florida Sun Sentinel. And this is right after the synagogue gunman killed one and injured three in California. And she noticed something that I thought was kind of poignant. And she brought this up to me last week so I could show you. If you notice, it's the Sun Sentinel. And the top article, the top article is pigs that are out of control. They're worried about pigs swimming in the ocean. And then they put something down here. And it almost seems like it was either subliminal they, somebody did it without thinking, or they did it purposefully that they put the killing of these Jews in a synagogue below something about pigs. And so, I, you know, you, you got to look in life at what are people thinking? There's a lot of anti-Semitism going on. And that seems like it may not have even been an intentional thing. It's just that their mind said, we're going to do this as a headline. So the what? Yeah, why would you do that? So that's why I'm saying it just it's very bizarre. But anyway, I want to thank uh, Kathy for bringing that because uh, uh, it just shows you how the world is aligned and uh, Israel is hated. They, uh, you know, and a lot of the things that happen to them are self-inflicted wounds. We talk about that in every single sermon. But uh, at the same time, they are God's people. They are back in the land because he placed them there and they will come to a saving knowledge of Christ at some point. And in the meantime, they're just going to have to go through some troubles. But interesting how the world plays things out when it comes to the Jews. I was watching something from Prager University, the previous prime minister, one of the previous prime ministers of Canada. You know, they do five little minute uh, uh, videos from Prager University. And he said, why do I support Israel? And if you want to know uh, a very eloquent reason why, listen to that. It's just five minutes. Why do I support Israel? And I don't remember the guy's name, but previous prime minister of Canada and totally different than what we have up there now. But very well said, and he explains very well why he supports Israel. So our first article today, if my voice sounds bad, I apologize. There's nothing I can do about it. Uh, It's from the Times of Israel. Israel TV. U.S. won't oppose extension of Israeli law to all West Bank settlements. Now, a couple of these articles are going to go back a few weeks. Okay, I was gone. I've uh, held on to them. I've built on to them, as you'll see. And it's important enough where some people may not have seen this, and I thought it'd be good to uh, repeat it, even if you've seen it. It says, the Trump admin's israeli Palestinian peace proposal will provide for all Israeli settlements to remain under Israeli rule in any permanent peace accord. And the admin will not oppose the extension of Israeli law to all West Bank settlements. That's really important there. Some 400,000 Israeli Jews live in West Bank settlements, and the Trump plan will recognize that all those Israeli settled areas will remain in Israeli hands under a permanent accord. Now, that's in what we would call the West Bank, but it's by its biblical term known as Judea and Samaria. Okay, and that's what the Jews will normally call it, or they have a term they call it Yesha. This has nothing to do with the Golan Heights. This has to do with that area, Judea and Samaria, where there are 400,000 Jews living. And there's a reason why this is going on. Here's the next article, Jerusalem Post. U.S. to U.N., you yourself rejected withdrawal to 67 lines. The Trump admin challenged the United Nations claim that Israel must withdraw to pre-1967 lines in an opinion piece uh, two of its top officials published in the Wall Street Journal. Now, this comes from two of his top officials, and therefore you know that this is something that they are pushing not only uh, just, you know, lower departments in the government, but at the highest levels, and they could not have done this together unless Trump was aware of it. Secretary of State Pompeo and Ambassador to Israel Friedman argued that the historic Security Council Resolution Number 242, which the international community often cites as the basis of its claim that Israel is required to relinquish all territory it acquired during the June 1967 Six-Day War 
bolsters the legitimacy of the Trump admin's decision to recognize Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights, which Israel captured from Syria in 1967. Their argument, however, could also be applicable to the West Bank, meaning Judea and Samaria, which Israel captured from Jordan in 1967. Those who believe the West Bank is occupied argue that the resolution speaks of a full withdrawal, whereas others say that the use of the word territories rather than the phrase the territories implies that Israel has to withdraw from only some, but not all, of the territories. Pompeo and Friedman focused their argument on the issues of security, saying that Resolution Resolution 242 allows for Israel to retain territory acquired in the 1967 war for security reasons. If it is for a security reason, they can keep it, according to the UN resolution. It provides that Israel would withdraw from some, but not necessarily all, territory captured in 1967 in keeping with that objective. Israel's former ambassador to the UN, Dory Gold, said a security rationale for retaining territory is even stronger in the West Bank than it is on the Golan. He pointed to the letter former President Bush wrote to former Prime Minister Ariel Sharon in 2004 about the terms of a peace deal with the Palestinians. In that letter, Bush, this is a previous president of the United States, stated that for security reasons, Israel is not required to fully withdraw to the pre-1967 lines. Bush also used as his rationale Security Council Resolutions 242 and 338 passed after the 1973 Yom Kippur War. As part of a final peace settlement, Israel must have secure and recognized borders which should emerge from negotiations between the parties in accordance with the United Nations Security Council resolutions. Thank you. 242 and 338. In light of new realities on the ground, including already existing major Israeli population centers, it is unrealistic to expect that the outcomes of final status negotiations will be a full and complete return to the armistice lines of 1949. In other words, it's not going to happen. They are going to keep these West Bank settlements. They are going to belong to Israel. Okay? There still will be division of the land. We know that from uh, Joel 3, verse 1, I think it is, where it says that they have divided my land. It's the reason why God will judge the nations. But, in fact, right here, it is that Israel is going to stay in the West Bank to some measure. In the Wall Street Journal, Pompeo and Friedman wrote that President Trump's Golan proclamation is entirely consistent with Resolution 242. Syria was the only warring party in the Six-Day War to ignore the resolution in 1967. But Syria later signed Resolution 338, which made 242 applicable to all, they added. Resolution 242 calls for every country to live within secure and recognized boundaries free from threats of acts of force. Israel has given back 88% of the territory it captured in 1967. But with regards to Israel and the Golan Heights, Pompeo and Friedman believe that Syria is a different story. In word and deed, Damascus has for 52 years rejected the negotiating framework of Resolution 242. It has maintained a state of war with Israel since Israel became independent in 1948, never allowing Israel to live in secure borders without threat. By affirming Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights, the president has afforded Israel the only secure and recognized boundary that can exist under the circumstances. The objective of Resolution 242 is what it is. Friedman and Pompeo added that if Israel does not maintain control of the Golan Heights, Bashar Assad or Iran will take control, no doubt about it, giving the world a choice, a dictator of a non-functioning state or a peaceful and democratic ally. That is a really important article that we just looked at because this is part of what is coming in the end times and the state of Israel as they head into the tribulation period. So with my uh, raspy voice, you might want to just go back and read it again, but it is a very good article. I cut it a little bit short, but wonderful stuff there. And then from the Times of Israel, U.S. Israeli officials to dedicate Golan Town, named for President Trump, in June. 
Netanyahu and others to lay the cornerstone for the new community to be built next to existing village of Kela alone. Actual name of the town is still unknown. And I thought we should just call it Shofar City. Shofar Trump, right? Okay, okay. Shofar City, that's what I, let's blow this thing. It's been a long time since I've blown this thing. There we go. Okay, Shofar City. I'll send that to Netanyahu and see if they agree to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that did good for his ears. Okay, from the uh, Times of Israel, this is kind of a fun article. Iranian judo officials agree to end decades-long boycott of Israeli athletes. In a historic move, Iranian judo officials have agreed to stop boycotting Israeli athletes on the mat, ending a practice that had drawn criticism against Tehran in the sporting world. In a letter to the International Judo Federation, Iran's Olympic Committee and local Judo Federation agreed to fully respect the Olympic Charter and its non-discrimination principle. In a statement, the IJF said the letter came after several rounds of talks regarding the disturbing phenomenon which involves the sudden injury or failure of a weigh-in of Iranian athletes, which it said was related to Iran trying to avoid meeting athletes from certain countries. Neither Iran nor the IJF specifically mentioned Israel, but Iranian athletes have on several occasions forfeited matches to avoid facing Israelis who have become increasingly relevant in the sport on the world stage. So they will now face Israel instead of chasing uh, themselves away from it. But what an embarrassment if Israel beats them in the ring. I got to tell you, I hope it happens every time, just, just for the sake of it happening. All right, from CNN, White House to focus on investment in Middle East as part of peace proposal. In other words, investment is where Trump is making his stand on getting an agreement between the Israelis and the Pakistanians. And for that reason, Trump's plan will not succeed. He does not under, he understands business. He does not understand the mentality of these people. This plan will not succeed. Donald Trump is not the Antichrist. And I can assure you that this is one of the main reasons why this will fail. You can throw all the money in the world at the Pakistanians, and if they don't want to do it, they ain't going to do it. From Haaretz, power to the shekel, Israeli's currency is one of the world's strongest. Again, it's gone up way up in the uh, charts on strongest currency. Teeny little sliver of a nation in the middle of nowhere. And here they're, they're yeah, absolutely wonderful stuff. Okay, we got from Christian News today. I got a couple things here. <laughs> the first is um, our brother Isaac, who many people have supported over the years. He's in Uganda. He's built some uh, school classrooms, and, you know, he's got AIDS ministries. He's got piggery projects. He's got all kinds of things that are always going on. One of the things that he is looking to finish, and it's going to be a little expensive. It's going to cost $10,625, but it's to finish the six-classroom block for Save the Children Primary School. He's already got four of the classrooms done. There's two more that need to be done. And so uh, if you want to help him out in that regard, let me know and I will send you his information. You can get a hold of him. There's somebody that has set up a nonprofit here in America to help him out. And you can send money directly in the U.S. and they will take that to him, whatever. But I just wanted to say that he does a lot of work. He's had malaria three times in the past year and a half and he's worked through it. He's, he's tireless. So that's my plug for him. And then... Some years ago, we, you know, we do a Mongolia update, and we had a boy that was going to Mongolia as a missionary. And so I made an appeal, and many people helped him out, and that was really wonderful. Well, that boy is now going into the U.S. Army, okay? He's going to serve this nation, but before he goes, he's going to go to Guatemala, and he's raising the money. He needs to raise 1200 of his own, but the whole group has to raise a total amount, and they're about halfway there, maybe a little less than that right now. But if you would like to help send him to Guatemala, if you've helped in the past and you want to uh, get him there, send me your email, uh, send me an email, and I will send you their information, and you can help them out. I've got the uh, information if anybody in the church wants to read that as well. But he's a nice young man. He's going to go serve this nation in the U.S. Army, but before he goes, he wants to do another missionary trip with his church. So good stuff. If you want to help, please let me know. And then... Um, Let's see here from CNN. This is under Christian News here. Trump welcomes Hungary's far-right nationalist prime minister after past presidents shunned him. Now, this is a couple weeks ago, but it's important enough to uh, include, and I put it under the Christian category for a reason, which we'll get to at the end of the article. Uh, he's rolled back Democratic checks on his power. 
mused about creating a European ethnostate and erected a razor wire fence to keep migrants out, angering the rest of the EU. So why was Hungary's far-right Prime Minister Viktor Orban meeting with President Trump in the Oval Office? I know he's a tough man, but he's a respected man, Trump said during a friendly photo op at the start of the talks. Probably, like me, a little controversial, but that's okay. That's okay. I like how he always repeats himself. Great president. Admin officials say the invitation to the White House for the talks is part of a concerted strategy to re-engage Central European nations as, here it is, Russia and China seek to exert influence in the region. So he's pushing back on these people. Our president is no dummy. But the visit is raising concerns about which leaders Trump is looking to cultivate, including a long list of global strongmen at the expense of more traditional U.S. allies. Other European leaders shunned Orban's decision to block migrants from entering his country with a fence, but Trump has advocated his own border wall. Steve Bannon once deemed Orban Trump before Trump. We are proud. Here's the reason why I put it in the Christian category. We are proud to stand together with the U.S. on fighting against illegal immigration, on terrorism, and to protect and help the Christian communities around the world. Good job, President Orban. Good job, President Trump. Orban said in short remarks from the Oval Office. The last two presidents, one of them wouldn't meet him at all. The other one wouldn't meet him in the Oval Office. Trump did both. Good job. Okay, from Breitbart. Texas officials illuminate crosses after atheists call for removal. Good job. Yes, elected officials in an East Texas community defiantly illuminated the crosses on their courthouse after an atheist organization told them to take them down. The move came after the county judge and commissioners voted unanimously to keep the four crosses on the building. The Wisconsin-based, yes, you know, FFRF, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, complained to San Jacinto County public officials about the prominent display of the Latin crosses. The foundation issued an action alert to its supporters saying a concerned Cold Spring resident reported to the FFRF that San Jacinto County has the crosses up all year round and even lights the crosses during the holiday season. The organization that calls itself a nonprofit, nonprofit, and that's nonprofit, P-R-O-H-P, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, P-R-O-F-I-T, so they're calling themselves a nonprofit, nonprofit, <laughs> idiots asked members to tell San Jacinto commissioners to remove courthouse crosses. Dwayne Wright, who served as the uh, county's GOP chair, took a photo and posted it on his Facebook page saying, this is how we roll in San Jacinto County. Not only did we not cower to the Wisconsin whiners, we lit them up. I'm so proud of Christians that are willing to stand up for Christ and for the cross. Let me read you something. I'll take you here. Just so you know where my heart is. I had somebody one time email me and said that FFRF is doing a good job because we idolize the cross. And I said, I said, you're going to the wrong guy on this. I said, first, when you walk into my door, the very first thing you see is I have a desk now. I've sat on the floor for 25 years, but I have a desk because there's a reason why. But anyway, right on the front of it is a cross. That's the first thing you see when you walk into my house. And here's what Paul says about this particular issue. It says... Um, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. If you can't stand up for the cross of Christ, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. <clears throat> Call yourself something else. Call yourself something else. Yep. That's right. From Islam today. From the Jerusalem Post. Turkey keeps talking about building an S-500 system with Russia. They're already buying the S-400 system. They're talking about building an S-500 system. Turkish President Erdogan said that Turkey has finalized its S-400 deal with Russia and would not turn back from acquiring the advanced system. The Turkish leader also hinted at producing an S-500 system with Russia. This would be a major element in the emerging Turkish-Russian alliance. Gog Magog all over this baby, and another sign of Ankara's drift away from the U.S. and NATO, which was prophesied would happen. Turkey has mentioned the mysterious 500 system before. In June 2018, Erdogan had offered to jointly produce a new generation S-500 high-altitude missile defense system with Russia. Russia's task news agency said that Russian officers 
have been training to use the system, which is supposed to be the backbone of Russia's integrated air defense and missile defense system. The report noted that according to Russian Defense Minister Shoigu, the S-500 is equipped with missiles that can target planes, drones, and ballistic missiles. The decision by Ankara to further its defense cooperation with Moscow will be another hurdle to U.S.-Turkish relations. The S-400 deal has already caused a crisis, and a report that Turkey might help produce the S-500 illustrates how close Ankara and Moscow really are. Previously, Turkey had played a role in developing the U.S. F-35 fighter jet, but the acquisition of the S-400 has raised concerns in Washington. Yet, Erdogan has said that Turkey will eventually receive the F-35. It ain't going to happen. If he gets that S-400, he ain't going to get it because they can take the technology from both of them, pair them up and know what the weakness is and give that to Russia. Ain't going to happen, folks. From Haaretz, let me take a drink of water here. Sorry about that. From Haaretz, Iraq caught between U.S. and Iran as tensions mount. So we have Iraq stuck there. We've got this thing going on. Iran's here. He's our close neighbor. Are they going to attack us? The U.S. has got some bases there. What's going to happen? Well, I can tell you this. Iraq is not mentioned in Gog Magog. It says Persia. Okay? Persia included Iraq at the time. So we'll see where it goes. But they're, they're caught right now between the two. From BBC, Egypt explosion. Tourists on bus injured near Gaza pyramids. You probably saw that on the news. Next article, Haaretz. After bus bombing, Egypt said it killed 12 militants suspected of ties to Muslim Brotherhood. That's why I included that article about the bombing is because the Muslim Brotherhood was supported by who? Oh, that's right, our previous president. And so they are still there trying to get Egypt out of this alliance with Israel and the other Arab nations. They're doing their best, and we'll see where it goes. But we know that Egypt is not coming against Israel in God. All they need to do, you know what? If they would just simply pick up the Bible, and if they'd read it, they would know it's coming, and they would stop this nonsense. But that ain't going to happen. The book is written. It's going to come about. So here we go, CSIS. Islamic extremist attacks increased 725% in Europe between 2007 and 2017. In 10 years, their Islamic extremist attacks have gone up 725%, and they're still importing them into the nation. Crazy. Okay, Times of Israel. U.S. invites Israel to Bahrain confab on Fakistinians. Washington has invited Israel to participate in an American-led Mideast peace conference expected to take place in late June in Bahrain. Times of Israel. Fakistinians reject U.S. Economic Peace Summit in Bahrain, so they won't attend. Senior officials say Fakistinians were not consulted about the workshop at Manama. Bid will fail without a political solution. He's trying an economic solution. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. From The Guardian. Donald Trump's peace conference will fail, Fakistinians say. Jerusalem Post, Iran concerned over Trump's anti-Fakistinian plot. From the Daily Saba, Coca-Cola debuts Ramadan special edition in Norway, Coca-Cola. So Norway, Coca-Cola has their own Ramadan special edition. Norway debuted a special edition of its classic fizzy beverage to commemorate the Muslim holy month of Ramadan, adding the Islamic crescent moon symbol to its logo for the first time. So I was done with Coke years ago, but I'm really done with Coke now. And then we have from the Ramadan Bombathon, as of 25 May, which is yesterday, day 20 of Ramadan, 106 attacks, 519 killed, all other religions? Zero. Zero, that's right. So we'll keep you apprised at the end of Ramadan how many people were finally killed by this religion of peace. From Mongolia, from Xinhua, Mongolia to provide monthly allowances to all children. Good job. The Mongolian government will start to provide monthly allowances to all children ages 0 to 18 from June 1. My son just walked in. You're too old for this. I'm sorry, son. (laughs) Mongolian prime minister, can't pronounce his name, has ordered irrelevant officials to provide an allowance of 20,000 Mongolian Tugruks, which is $7.5 per month, to all children aged up to 18 starting from June 1st. 
According to the country's National Statistics Office, around 33% of Mongolia's total 3.2 million population are children aged 0 to 18. For now, only children from low- and middle-income families across the country receive such a benefit under the Child Money Program, which was launched in 2005. Now, everybody gets their $7.5 a month. Cool stuff. Okay, from, what's that? Who knows? It's helicopter money. Government gets it in, they send it back out. Okay, Daniel 12 technology today. Wow. Microphone and noise-canceling headsets worn by soldiers will send the location of an enemy sniper to the smartphones of troops in real time. And it could be ready in just two years. When a shot is fired, they can identify where it is and tell them exactly where to shoot back. A soldier's phone could be used to reveal the location of enemy troops. It links the handset to a microphone built into the helmet's ear protection. Noise of fired bullets is tracked and used to reveal the assailant's position. Cool stuff. Mail online. <clears throat> the U.S. missile that minces jihadis. I love this. this is, I, I love this. CIA develops a terrifying ninja drone weapon that deploys six deadly blades instead of explosives to chop enemies apart. Yes, a new weapon can plunge through structures to target terrorists with precision. R9X, or Flying Ginsu, has been used in secret as part of a new CIA drone program. Weapon deploys six long blades moments before the impact and crushes targets. U.S. officials hope this will decrease civilian casualties and improve its image. Wow. Cool beans. I call it the old slice and dice myself. But <laughs> From Mail Online, scientists in China develop ultra-long-range AI camera that can photograph subjects from 28 miles away. There is nothing secret in this world anymore. They can now see with precision 28 miles away. A new camera technology can image subjects up to 28 miles away. The instrument uses infrared lasers and an advanced AI to form images. According to researchers, the technology has broad surveillance applications. I would say so. Revelation plagues today. What's that? Probably came from USA. Yeah, probably came from USA. That's right. Revelation plagues. Mail online. This is kind of gross, but this is a real plague. Stay out of your Ubers and Lyft cars, okay? Back seats of Uber and Lyft cars have 35,000 times more germs than the average toilet seat and 219 times as many as the average taxi. Yep, 219 times more than the average taxi and 35,000 more than the average toilet seat. A study conducted by insurance company NetQuote looked at nine cars. Surfaces were swabbed to find out the number of colony-forming units, window buttons and seatbelts said to contain the most germs in a rideshare. Among the germs found were bacillus, which can cause infections and food poisoning, and cocci, which is linked to skin infections. So don't take Uber or Lyft if you want to stay healthy, okay? Mail online. Do we have any nail technicians here? No, okay. I can hear somebody online yelling, I do, I do. She won't want to after this. Nail technicians are up to 100 times more at risk of cancer. Yeah, scientists warn airborne formaldehyde means the salons are as bad for employees' health as working at an oil refinery. Study of six nail salons found the air contaminated chemicals beyond safe levels. Technicians could be at risk of squamous cell carcinoma or leukemia. Yeah, so stay out of your nail salons, folks. From Zero Hedge, this is real Revelation Plagues. Those were just some getting you on the way there. But here we go. Uh, this is Farmageddon Looms. John talked about this last week. Good article from Zero Hedge. I've just got a little portion of it. Only 30% of U.S. cornfields have been planted. Five-year average at this time is 66%. For every day after May 15th, and we're way after May 15th now, that corn is not in the ground, farmers lose approximately 2% of their yield. Unfortunately, more rain is on the way, as attested to by the gentleman from, I'm going to say the wrong state, Nebraska, thank you. Uh, and it looks like thousands of corn farmers will not be able to plant corn at all this year. It is no exaggeration to say that what we are facing is a true national catastrophe. Iowa, 48% planted, five-year average is 76%. Minnesota, 21% planted, five-year average is 65%. North Dakota, 11% planted, five-year average is 43%. South Dakota, 4% planted, five-year average, 54%. Mm. 
According to the U.S. DOA's crop progress reports, about 11% of Illinois' corn has been planted and about 4% of soybeans. Last year, at this time, it was 88% of corn and 56% of soybeans were in the ground. Yet now, planting soybeans with the overabundance already in bins and scant hope for sales to one of the biggest buyers in China could raise the risk of financial disaster. And if the wet conditions persist, many soybean farmers are not going to be able to plant crops at all this year. Along with all of the cow deaths we've talked about a couple times, we're in real trouble. This, this takes us back to the 80s, and uh, there was one other time that was almost this bad, but this is really serious. Food is going to get more expensive this year. From Morality Today, Yahoo says, actually a male transgender weightlifter stripped of world records. Finally some sense in this world. Mary Gregory sparked controversy earlier in May after claiming on Instagram that she'd won out nine out of nine events, which included setting a new Masters World Squat record, Open World Bench record, Masters World Deadlift record, and Masters World Total record. However, Raw Powerlifting Federation have now decided to take the titles off the American athlete in a decision that could have huge ramifications for transgender athletes. The president of the Federation told Mail Online that Gregory could not have been considered a female when she, it, broke the records. It was revealed that this female lifter was actually a male in the process of becoming a transgender female. Bossy said, Our rules and the basis of separating genders for competition are based on physiological classification rather than identification. Finally, some sense in these people. On the basis of all information presented to the board of directors for this particular case, the conclusion made is that the correct physiological classification is male. Gregory was allowed to compete as a female athlete after using hormone blockers to regulate its testosterone, it says her, but I'm not going to give him credit for that, levels for the past 11 months. However, this new ruling follows a similar decision by USA Powerlifting, who last week voted in favor of banning transgender athletes from competing against others that match their gender identity. Men, listen to this great last quote, men naturally have a larger bone structure higher bone density, stronger connective tissue, and higher muscle density than women. These traits, even with reduced levels of testosterone, do not go away. While MTF, male to female, may be weaker and less muscle than they once were, the biological benefits given them at birth still remain over that of a female. Finally, from Christian News, 11-year-old drag kid among faces of pride for converse homosexual transgender shoe collection. So if you buy Converse shoes, don't buy them anymore. They got that little 11-year-old drag kid that they are promoting for their uh, sales of their shoes. I don't have that problem, okay? You know that. I I haven't needed shoes in many, many, many years. But uh, it says the popular shoe company Converse, a subsidiary of Nike, has announced its annual pride collection of sneakers with rainbow and transgender flag themes. Absolutely crazy. From AL.com, everybody knows the first one. I'm setting up for the second one. Alabama abortion ban. Nation's strictest abortion bill passes. No rape, incest exemptions. Second one, Fox News. I lost a lot of respect for this guy after he said this. Alabama's gone too far with extreme abortion bill, Pat Robertson says. Absolutely crazy. You know what? You need no exemptions. Just because somebody has incest or is raped does not mean you don't commit one sin by, or you don't commit a second sin because a first sin was committed. There's a human life in that womb. Pat Robertson, I got no respect for him after saying that. I don't know what made him think that, but he must have had his head under the water too long or something. I don't know. It's absolutely nothing extreme about it. And the idea is to get this through the courts and up to the Supreme Court and let them decide where it belongs. From PJ Media, transgender tragedy. <laughs> this is really bad. I'm, I, think of this. Transgender tragedy. This baby died because the mother's medical records listed her as a male. Yes, the New England Journal of Medicine published a bizarre story. A transgender man supposedly entered a hospital with severe abdominal pains. 
because she was identified as a man that doctors naturally did not think to treat her for labor and delivery. So she tragically lost the baby. Rather than emphasizing the danger of placing gender identity over biological sex, both the Journal and the Washington Post made the absurd claim that the hospital should not have ruled out pregnancy for a man. He was rightly classified as a man in the medical records and appears masculine. Dr. Daphna Strosma at the University of Michigan Ann Arbor wrote in the journal article, but that classification threw us off from considering his actual medical needs. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine that that happened in this world? Absolutely crazy. Our other category, American military news. Trump bumps up Brazil to, does anybody know what he did recently? Endorsed Bolsonaro. Well, no, no, no. Something he did, not with Bolsonaro, no, with the whole country. Nobody knows. Okay, Trump bumps up Brazil to major non-NATO ally. President Trump said he will grant special military status to Brazil. Now, why do you think he's doing this? Venezuela. Venezuela borders Brazil. Absolutely right. Uh, Let's see here. Um, President Trump said he will grant special military status to Brazil, making it a major non-NATO ally in the move to boost cooperation. Trump informed Congress of his intent to make the South American state the 18th country to receive the designation. The designation takes effect 30 days after the presidential notification. In March, Trump said he was also giving consideration to having Brazil become an actual member of NATO, an idea that raised questions since membership in the North Atlantic Alliance is open only to European countries, along with Canada and the United States. For Brazil to become a NATO member, it would require a change in the alliance's charter. But there has been no indication of allies moving in that direction. Still, Brazil's status as a non-NATO ally will likely mean more cooperation between the two countries' armed forces. The most recent uh, country to be declared a major non-NATO ally is, anybody know which one was before this? You're not going to believe it when I tell you this. They're not listed in Gog Magog either. It's Tunisia. Tunisia was the latest one, a North African country that the U.S. military works closely with on counterterrorism efforts. Benefits include closer coordination on military missions, the ability to host U.S. war reserve stockpiles, and expedited access to sensitive technology. However, unlike actual NATO membership, being a major non-NATO ally does not include security guarantees like the Transatlantic Pact's Article 5 Collective Defense Provision, which says an attack on one member is an attack on all. But that is why Trump wants them to become a NATO member, so that we can have that provision in there for them. And if we do, Venezuela cannot come against Brazil. It will not happen. But we'll see where this goes. That's a very interesting article from Mail Online. (laughs) Venezuela's Maduro is paranoid, isolated, and is sleeping in a bunker as he clings to power in his shattered country, says the White House national security official. From Bloomberg, Venezuela sells $570 million from its gold reserve. This is like the third or fourth time he's done this. Despite sanctions, Venezuela sold about $570 million in gold from central bank reserves over the past two weeks, skirting U.S. Treasury sanctions designed to freeze assets of the Maduro admin. There'll be nothing left of that country when he's done. Nothing. From Zero Hedge, Russia announces delivery of more supplies to Venezuela's military. Even after repeat threats to Moscow from President Trump himself, including recently saying bluntly, Russia has to get out, The Russian military now appears so unconcerned by such warnings that it's simply announcing its Maduro support actions ahead of time via state media. So they're just they're putting it right in Trump's face from the AP vast gasoline lines form in oil rich Venezuela. They're not just oil rich. They are the most oil rich nation on this planet. Most people don't know that you think of Saudi Arabia. They're not. They have way, way more reserves than anybody else on this planet. And they have people sitting in lines for miles. Daily Caller. Number of illegal immigrants who are choosing self-deportation rises dramatically under Trump. Yes. Illegal immigrants who were granted voluntary departure increased 50% in 2017. In fiscal year 2018, the number doubled from the previous fiscal year. That means 100%. Good job. From Mail Online. Rapid DNA testing reveals a third, full one-third of migrants 
faked family relationships with children to claim asylum during ICE pilot of the procedure in Texas. One third of them coming over the border are lying about having their own children. Yep, one, wonderful stuff there. Let's see here from uh, Zero Hedge. Non-citizens commit 42%. Non-citizens commit 42% of federal crimes, despite being only 7% of the U.S. population. Okay, imagine that, 7%, 42, that's like they commit a thousand times more than anybody else, and we can't get rid of these people. Zero hedge, White House won't sign global pact to combat extremism due to its First Amendment concerns. Thank you, President Trump. From Zero Hedge, Trump cancels $929 million for California's high-speed rail quagmire. He said he was going to do it. He did it. Good job. It's about time. That's right. From the Hill, Dem Polster says Trump's approval rating more steady than any other president in United States history. Good job. Oilprice.com says Russia could take hold of China's entire gas market. We'll see where that goes. Mail online. New York State Senate introduces bill to make texting while walking illegal and will issue $250 fines to anyone caught. If you're walking and texting, you'll get a $250 fine, and yet they will not prosecute. Remember about six months ago, I did an article where people jump over the turnstiles and ride the trains, and they don't pay. They just jump, and they won't prosecute those people. They won't prosecute people for half of the major crimes that are committed in New York, but it will give you a $250 fine if you are caught texting while walking. You can't buy a soda there, apparently. I mean, it's just crazy. Typical Democrats from uh, Zero Hedge. Cashless Sweden, ooh, suddenly warns its citizens hoard banknotes and coins in case of cyber attack or war. I've been saying this since this started going on. You've got to have cash on hand at all times. This country has gotten rid of almost all of its cash, and now they're worried that if something happens, their people aren't going to be able to buy anything. So they're telling them, have cash on hand. It says, the um, for years... We have commented on the Swedish government and Rills Bank pushing for a cashless society. The Risk Bank has over 1,000 articles posted on its website on the cashless society. The emphasis worked. Between 2013 and 2017, the amount of cash in circulation dropped by 35%, earning Sweden a reputation as the world's most cashless nation. But now, the Swedish Civil Contingencies Agency, an arm of the government, has sent guidance to every home telling residents to squirrel away cash in small denominations in case of emergencies ranging from power cuts or technology glitches to terrorism, cyber attacks, or by a rogue government or war. Officials told Parliament that hard cash was important, not just in times of crisis and war, but also in peacetime. Sweden's big message to us is plan now before you get into a mess. If the technology stops today, which could happen with, you know, you get the, uh, the whatever, just somebody sends an EMP or something and technology stops and you want to buy something over at Publix, folks, you can't do it with your credit card. They're not going to be able to process it. So you have to have cash on hand. And if you don't, you're not going to be buying anything. Now, I hate fish, but I live on the base, so I can go catch fish and eat that, and I know my wife will be all the happier. But <laughs> if you don't live on the bay, you're either going to have to shoot the pets in the backyard or something. No, I'm, I'm being serious. What are you going to eat if you don't have cash on hand? You don't eat a lot, but you got to have enough to buy food in case there's an emergency. And I've been saying this for years, and here they've said it. They've confirmed it. All right, speaking of food, Fox News. We got some people here visiting. They came, I told you, at the beginning of the update, and they were walking around yesterday at the uh, uh, projects with us. And uh, while we were there, she said, uh, I want to have something with uh, you and your wife today. And so she went and bought something for us, and they came over, and we had it together. And um, it's funny because I already had this article in the Prophecy Update. And here we go. Hundreds evacuated. This should be under Revelation Plagues, I think. <laughs> Hundreds evacuated from Australian College Library because of smelly durian fruit. <laughs> the library of an Australian university was evacuated last week because of a suspected gas leak, which turned out to be something much different. Around 550 people evacuated the University of Canberra's library in under six minutes. Good job, folks. But the unpleasant smell didn't turn out to be gas at all. Well, uh, yeah, okay. It was actually durian, a smelly fruit. 
the offending fruit, as dubbed by the school, has a creamy, stringy texture, but also a smell that Smithsonian Magazine once compared to turpentine and onions garnished with a gym sock. So, I will tell you that she went out and got us some durian yesterday, and we sat in the house and reveled in it. Now, her husband, Andrew, she's from Burma. That's why she likes it. I lived in Malaysia three years, and that's why I love it, okay? Her husband, Andrew, would not eat this stuff. He's had it, and he said, I ain't going to eat it. And I'm going to tell you what, last night he ate it, and he said, this is actually not bad. So it just takes a little bit of getting used to. We had George, first day in Sarasota, and he's, the whole house stinks like durian. I mean, and he's like, there's no way this is good. He's like, I'm going to bed. He's out of here. So, but I brought you a couple of things. Here's the outside rind of it. It's about this big. It's a big fruit, and this is the outside. It's got thorns on it, so if you try to pick it up, it'll poke you. Um, down at 12th Street at the Vietnamese restaurant. And if anybody wants some durian, I had it double sealed so that it won't stink up the church. But if you want to try this after church, I've got enough for anybody to taste it. Oh, you want me to open it now? Okay. I, I can smell it. I opened it, and I can smell it a little bit. Anyway, there you go. There's some durian for you. And when you buy it here, it is never as, as delightful as overseas because they let it rot a little bit before you eat it. Whereas here, they've got to package it while it's still kind of fresh, and they, they freeze it, so you don't get the good smell, and, and, but it's good enough. Okay, I went out after uh, they left. I walked you guys out to the car. They backed out. I walked back in the house, and you know how your smell real quickly recovers? I walked in the house, and the whole house smelled like durian. It was wonderful. Oh, oh, oh. I could just walk in and out. Yeah, sweet durian dreams. Okay, we've got a, a lesseric for you here. We're way long on the update, but I don't care. Um, let's see if you can figure out what article he's talking about here. The Iranians look to have fun when they wrestle their foes and don't run. They will do what is right. They will not flee but fight the Israelis once under their gun. Good job, guys. Okay, i got a couple of ironies here for you, and we'll be done. This is entitled High Fashion. Okay, first one. Mail online, obese inmate, 30, is caught trying to sneak a 24-inch machete into a jail hidden between rolls of his belly fat. And I entitled that Dress to Kill. All right, and then the second one, mail online. Florida woman, it's always Florida. Florida woman pulls a foot-long alligator from her yoga pants during a traffic stop. And cops then find 41 turtles in her backpack. And I call that that's a snappy outfit. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so such is the world we live in. And from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.